Please turn with me to Psalm 98. If you're using one of the Pew Bibles, it is found on page 592. Now, as you turn there, there's almost three different ways that we could read this psalm. Um, one, we could read it in the context of the Israelites, the ones who probably first heard this psalm. Um, and we can read the psalm in the context of them, what they read as, as sort of a military victory, as, as a celebration going to be taking place when the Lord comes and reigns and rules over all the earth. And so this expectation of hope, this expectation of something being fulfilled. The second way we could read it is sort of the way that Isaac Watts, the, the writer of Joy to the World, kind of read it, in which he, under the title of Joy to the World, put the Messiah's coming kingdom. The idea that he was on this side of, of the history in which he knew that Christ had already come, that salvation had been purchased and, and given to him, but yet he was waiting for the second coming of Christ, the, that Christ was going to come and, and earth and heaven would be joined together and, and once again God would rule over all the earth and, and everything would be made right. And then sort of the third context that we could read to it is, is our context, one in which we know there's the historically fulfilled event of the birth, life, and death and resurrection of Christ, but while we're sort of doing a rehearsal of what, we're, what is to come, that we are worshiping God knowing what is coming and what will be fulfilled with a joyful noise of what has been fulfilled and what is going to be fulfilled. So there's three different ways we could read it, and I'm going to kind of bounce around and use all three this morning because this morning we're going to see a little bit of each. We're going to see what the Lord has done, our response to what the Lord has done, and then what we get to look forward to. So this is Psalm 98. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound in everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us joy this morning. Not in the form of physical gifts, but joy that we get to come and worship you. That we have the opportunity to remember all the things that you have done. We get to burst into joyful singing with other believers and join together with one voice. And we get to look forward to a day in which all things will be made new and sin will cease. We pray as we read your word and study it that we can apply it not just to our minds but to our hearts so that we may feel the joy the psalmist has written about. In your name, amen. Now it seems like in most Christmas stories, there at least has to be one person who brings a little gloom to it. Whether it's Ebenezer Scrooge or the Grinch, Maybe you sometimes, all right? Um, or one of the hundreds of thousands of Hallmark and Lifetime movies. Um, there's always an Ebenezer. There's always a, a negative Nancy in it, all right? Um, how I dare say a Karen, potentially. Um, but we, all right, 
But we all know that at some point in December, sometimes there's gloominess and there's not happiness. And maybe it's not the most joyful time of the year at all times. Um, and this happened to me on Thursday. Uh, Thursday was a pretty gloomy, cloudy, it was a rainy day. Um, so I got in my car, I was gonna, I usually work on my sermons on Thursday morning, but it was, it was not nice out, so I started driving, and as I started driving, I thought about all the things that needed to get done before Christmas. I needed to go to the DMV at some point. I needed to make sure that all the Christmas gifts were wrapped. Um, and then, you know, I show up to the coffee shop, to Brouhaha, which I wanted to go to, and it was crowded. So I couldn't go there, so I had to go to Panera. Now look, I recognize that it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. I'm just trying to give you some context of where I was at, all right? But as I was driving, the song, Where Are You Christmas, by Faith Hill, uh, came on my playlist. Now this is a song that she released for the live-action version of The Grinch. And if you don't know the song, the lyrics start like this. Where are you Christmas? Why can't I find you? Why have you gone away? Where is the laughter you used to bring me? Why can't I hear the music play? And maybe some of you have felt this way about Christmas. Maybe it's this year, maybe it's another year where you go, I don't have as much joy as I used to. I don't feel as happy as I used to. Maybe this hasn't been the best time of the year. But even take yourself out of the context of the Christmas season. Have you felt that way at all this year? Have there been times in which you've gone through this past year and you've gone, where are you, God? Why can't I find you? Why have you gone away? And so I, I sat in Panera sort of feeling this gloom, feeling this uh, sort of depressed context. I began to read this psalm. And the very first line of the psalm says what? Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. And as you continue to read through the psalm, even the first three verses, there's the repetition of salvation. In the first three verses, it's, it's he has worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known. The salvation has been known to the ends of the earth. And, and each one sort of covers what the Lord has done, in which, in which we see verse 1, that he's done marvelous things. These are, these are deeds that display God's supernatural power. And, and obviously the Israelites, when they're reading the psalm, is thinking of the supernatural things that God has done, that he has, he has rescued them from the slavery of Egypt, in which he parted the Red Sea. There was supernatural things that they have seen. And, and I'm sure that if you just take time to reflect on the marvelous things that God has done, that supernatural things in which you go, wait a second, there is things that have happened in my life that should not have happened. That I have crossed paths with people where, where people have done things at just the right moment in which God clearly was at work and was at hand. And then secondly, in verse 2, we see that his righteousness is revealed, that, that, his, we make his promise, that he makes his promises fulfilled that we get to see that his promises have been completed. And, and this is the promise that we get to see through the work of Christ, in which this is a promise of a Savior coming, and, and we know of that Savior. That Savior is Jesus Christ, and he has come. And not only that, but we get to know of the promises, that, that, that God promises to us that those who follow him, his burden is light. That we get to go and say, wait, God has made promises to me as a believer, and I know as I follow Christ, those promises are being fulfilled. 
And then finally, we get to see what? That the love of God has spread to the ends of the earth. And we see that as well. Jesus start with this small band of men who have now grown the church to the ends of the earth, that God's love spread from Christ to the ends of the earth, that we are worshiping now. And, and I know that there are those among us who can say, look, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I didn't, I didn't know Jesus when I was at a young age, but the love of God spread to the ends of the earth so that I may see it and I may know it as well. And so what the psalmist is actually giving us is a context of God, sort of the vision of God, of the way that we can view life and view the world, that we get to look for and see all the things that the Lord has done. And so in that gloomy morning context with gloomy skies and busy schedule and too many people taking my coffee shop, it was in that context that I was actually taken out of it and given what? The context of God. I was taken out of my own personal vision, what I was seeing and what I could only see, to a vision in which God sees everything. And so what I got to see that God in his created order allowed us to gather together on this Christmas morning, even more special, dare I say it, than celebrating with your family because you're with the family of God. You're with each other. This is a family gathered together. This is a family gathering in which we get to open the greatest gift ever, which is to know the salvation of the Lord. What, what could be better? And not only that, but I, get to, I got to see and experience that we are living at a time after Christ, that we actually get to know the Christ. When the psalm was first written, they didn't know what this was going to look like. They didn't know necessarily what salvation was going to look like. They didn't know that Jesus was going to feed the 5,000, that he was going to heal the lepers, that he was going to invite people in. But we get to be on this side of history where I get to go, I know all of those miracles. I know all of those things that have taken place, and I get to get joy every time I hear about them and read about them. And then finally, we get to see God's love spread to the ends of the earth. And what I remembered seeing recently was, I think it was an ad or a news story about a group of business people that got together and they were raising funds for an organization in New York City called God's Love We Deliver. And they make medically capable meals for those who cannot make meals for themselves. Literally a group of business people, I, I'm assuming not all of them Christians and I'm assuming not everyone who donated to the organization was a Christian, but it was literally God's love being delivered to the ends of the earth to those who need to know of it. And what this passage is telling us is to remember all the things that God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do. So when your context is against you, when there are gloomy skies, when, when, when you feel like, I can't see things clearly, when you say, where are you, God? Why can't I find you? Let me encourage you to take the time to reflect on all the things the Lord has done, to go to his word and see the context that he is giving you. Your context is not the only context. It's the Lord's context that he wants you to see and look it through. And maybe if you need to, physically write it down. Take the time to write down all the things that the Lord has done, not just for you personally, but for creation as well, the way the Lord has been at work and the way that the Lord is spreading his love throughout the world. So we get to see what the Lord has done, that he's doing great things, that we get to have, we get to see and experience how he has fulfilled his promises. So what is the response the Lord calls us to 
when we see these things, when we get to experience these things. Well, let me ask you, what is your response that you want to receive when you give someone a gift? All right, so you make a gift, you, or you buy a gift, you wrap it up, you give it to someone, and let's say they open it up, and they look at you and go, so how much do I owe you? That would be a weird response, right? Or if they say, so I have to give you a gift now, right? Like, that would be weird. No, what's the response that we want when we give a gift? We want one in which they're just happy, right? They're just joyful. They're just thankful for what they've given. So what is the response the Lord wants from us when we hear about the gifts that he has given us? Well, what others expect sort of outside of the church is that Christianity is all about shaping up, do better, better follow God's commands, better obey the rules, sort of that you owe him, all right? And then for some of us in the church, we actually don't say, well, that's, that's a little harsh, but, you know, you should do some stuff, like join a community group or read your body. You know, you, you, you got to do something for the Lord. But what does the Lord say in this passage? What is the one thing, the first thing that he wants when we hear about the gifts that he's given us? Look at verse 4. Shout to the Lord all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Look, we just spent time talking about the marvelous works that God is doing, and our response is supposed to be one of joy and celebration. And listen, this isn't the joy of adults on Christmas morning. Yay, socks. It's the joy of children, all right? It's the joy of children going, a NASCAR, a car, a toy car, video games, Barbies, whatever it may be. It's the joy of children, all right? Part of the reason why Isaac Watts wrote Joy to the World is because of what he observed in his church. And I want to challenge us because I want us to read what he observed and say, is this us? And this is what Isaac Watts wrote. To see the dull indifference, the neglect and thoughtless air that sits upon their faces of a whole assembly, while the Psalms are upon their lips, might even tempt a charitable observer to suspect the lack of fervency of their inward religion. He said, I observed my church and I did not notice any joy. And that's why he wrote Joy to the World. He's like, we got to have more joy in this place. All right? Because the worship style that is being presented in this psalm is not the worship style that we are used to. This is a worship style that is active and noisy. It's, it's to shout aloud with a spontaneous shout. And look, I'm not a big soccer fan, but I watched the end of the World Cup, all right? Something that happens like only four, I think once every four years, right? And so I watched the end of the World Cup when Argentina beat France. And what do you think their response was? A golf clap? No, it was, it was them freaking out, all right? They were shouting. The stadium was so loud. People were crying. People were ripping off their shirts. Everyone was hugging each other. It was a crazy display of emotion, of joy, all right? And this isn't soccer that we're coming to. This isn't the final goal. This is God's salvation. This is God making all things right. This is us coming together, and we get to experience the love of God day in and day out. This is what God has done, what he's doing, and what he is going to do. And we get to shout, praise God. No, we get to shout, praise God. Praise God. Come on, praise God. It's the final goal. We won. Salvation has come. Praise God. Praise God. There we go, all right? We get to say that 
to each other every single week that I've been saved, that my sins have been forgiven, that I don't owe God anything, but he has given me gift upon gift upon gift, and I know the rest of my life, no matter how hard it may be, those gifts aren't taken away, and the gifts are gonna keep coming. I know every day that I walk with the Lord, he is with me. And this isn't just head knowledge. I'm not encouraging you to say, listen, if you study more, you're gonna understand it. No, push it into your hearts. Let it reach your hearts that God has loved you, that God has rescued you, that salvation has come. And in that moment, you get to see your context change. One from doom and gloom to one of spontaneous joy where you go, I gotta tell nobody's about Jesus. <laughs> Just like he told the shepherds, I gotta tell someone, I gotta, I gotta tell someone about the joy that I'm experiencing. Look, in the presence of other believers, we get to join in week in and week out and say to each other, go Jesus. Look, I, when I'm wearing my Eagles jersey and I pass someone in the wallway, they go, go birds, and I go, go birds. Every Sunday we should pass each other in church and go, go Jesus, he's come. The joy is upon us. We get to have the most joy in the whole world. And we should be the most joyful people in the world. Look, we have to be the most joyful people in the world. We have to be the light of joy to the world because your interactions with others should display the joy of the Lord. Your, your place of business, where you work, you should be the one who everyone goes, he's always happy even though we're losing money this year. All right, you should be the most joyful person on social media where someone goes, you know, they don't really say negative comments. What do I have to be negative about? I have the best gift in the world. I have salvation. And look, I am so thankful. I, am, I, I know the Lord has worked through you this morning for my heart because what is the best, where is the best place to experience the joy of the Lord? It's right here with other believers. I, I was honest with our students when I was teaching the Sunday school last week. I said, look, I, I want you to come Sunday morning because I can't shout loud enough by myself. <sighs> I didn't tell them that I was actually going to make them shout, but <laughs> I, I can't do this on my own. I, I can praise God when I'm by myself, but I need you. We need each other to share the joy of the Lord to one another. This should be the most joyful place of your week in which you are excited to come, in which we get to say to one another, you are loved. You have the salvation of God. God is with you. Because the salvation of God is that joyful. So we get to see what God has done. We get to see what our response is, which is one of joy. And then finally we get to see what we get to look forward to. Now Pastor Kevin spent the last few weeks giving us sort of a, a, a view of the judgment of God. And, and once again, we see God's judgment coming in verse 9. It says, He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. Now this is a promise of a Savior which has stretched from the fall of creation to that the offspring of Eve will crush Satan's head to the, to the promises of the psalmists through the work of Christ in which his birth came on that Christmas morning, to his life, to his death, to his resurrection, that he would kill the curse, that he would end the curse of creation. And we get that future promise that we see in Revelation. Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them, and they will be his people. 
and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things have passed away. Maybe this morning, or maybe just throughout your life, you've had expectations. Maybe this morning you had the expectation that it was going to go perfect, that the kids were going to open the gifts, they were going to be super excited, that you were going to cook the best breakfast ever, and everything was going to be neat and tidy. And maybe those expectations were fulfilled, (laughs) but maybe they weren't. The hard thing about expectations is we don't know if they're going to come true or not. I can expect the way my life is going to turn out. I can expect that if I do this, this, and this, everything will turn out fine. But we don't know if that's true. But this expectation, this one is true. It's not based on us. It's based on God. And what's so amazing about that expectation of what is to come, the glory of God that is to come, is that it's better than anything we can expect. Even the best things of this world, I I have no idea what it's going to look like, but I know it's going to be amazing, and it's going to be awesome. And what am I going to be doing nonstop when it comes? Singing praises to my Lord. I'm going to be in the most joyful state of my existence. Now, I have to say, I think Christmas is probably one of the best times to have joy because usually it's easy to be found. I actually have Christmas suits, and I I try to wear funny ties, and and I try to just get into the Christmas spirit no matter what. And and even even those who aren't believers, those who aren't Christians, try to spread joy during this holiday time because they, even every holiday special does. I mean, I, I watched plenty of cartoons this season, and every single one ends with, it's not about the decorations, it's not about the gifts, it's, it's about spending time with each other, and that's the thing that we love. But our joy is even deeper than that because for the rest of the year, we get to have joy because this passage is a reminder that Christmas is not over. The gifts and promises that God has given us through Christmas are not all yet fulfilled. We get to look forward to with hope and anticipation of a child on Christmas Eve, of the next day, of God coming back and returning to a time when the Lord will come and the earth will fully receive her king to reign and rule. And as Isaac Watts wrote, he makes his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. God is covering and taking care of the whole earth, and he will come to reign. There is a promise that no stone will be unturned, and your sins and the sins done against you will be healed. And that is something that we get to say, praise God. Praise God! Let's try, all right, praise God! All right, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we get, to, we get to thank you and get to shout out with joy to you saying, you have saved us. You have rescued us. You bring us together day in and day out and remind us of your love, and we thank you for that. That even in contexts in which it is dark and the skies are hard and it seems like life is against us, we get to be brought out of that context into the context that you have, one in which your perfect will is being done. 
And we get to respond with shouts of praise and joy. Not requirements, not things that we have to get done, but instead we get to say, just praise God. That's all we have to do. That is our, our first and almost final response to you. And we get to say day in and day out, it is getting better. You are coming. You are going to come and reign. And there is a promise in which a gift, the final gift of Christmas is going to be fulfilled, in which you are seated on your throne and the whole earth will praise your glory. We thank you for that. And we pray that when we come here, that every single time we come here, we can have the joy of the Lord in which we shout, praise God. In your name, amen.